Jesus is about 30 years old. Um, he, he's been baptized. And right before he begins his ministry, he is taken to the wilderness. I chose the version in Mark because it's the shortest. Um, you've probably heard sermons on this text before. They probably never use Mark because Mark has no details. All right. Uh, so let's, let's just read it quickly. I know we've read it once already, but let's just read it again. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And I believe it's verses 10 and 11. 12 and 13, sorry. So Mark chapter 1, verse 12 says this. Immediately the Spirit drove him, Jesus, into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild animals, or the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Um, it's a very unique telling of this story, right? In this version, it doesn't even say that Jesus was hungry. Did you notice that? It doesn't say that he didn't eat for 40. It just simply says he was driven into the wilderness for 40 days. Anyone here not eaten for 40 days? Has anyone tempted this before? Never. What's the longest you've ever gone without eating? Anybody? Three days? A couple hours? A couple hours? Sometimes when you're sick, right? They only give you like jello or something in the hospital. You can see how difficult that is, right? Forty days Jesus was in the wilderness. Uh, and then he's tempted by the devil. And we have those three temptations. Famous, famous story. Mark just cuts that all out. Doesn't mention any of it. But he mentions something that's not in the other two Gospels. He mentions three groups of people here. So when Jesus is driven into the wilderness by who? by the Spirit, so by God, um, he runs into basically three groups. The first is Satan, right? Satan and his angels. And why was Satan there? To tempt him. On the other end, we have angels. We have God's angels, and what are they doing there? Ministering to him, right? Helping him. When we read the other Gospels, we learn that it's in fact... Uh, only after the temptations that the angels come and help Jesus. But then there's a, there's that middle group, which is interesting, especially for those that, that were here for Sabbath school today. What's the middle group? The wild beasts. The wild animals. Who else ended up with the wild animals? Nebuchadnezzar, right? Why was Nebuchadnezzar sent to live with the wild animals and eat grass? Anybody? Make sure you read your lesson, right? Yeah, to be humble, right? To realize his place in this world. Yes, you're a king. Yes, you're mighty, but you're just an animal at the end of the day. This is going to sound a little strange, but the same reason God sent Nebuchadnezzar into the wilderness is the same reason God sent Jesus into the wilderness. And this is why it sounds strange. Jesus is who? God, all right? Nebuchadnezzar was a human king, right? With human subjects and everything else. But Jesus was, in fact, who? The king of the universe. He was God, 
right? If anyone could claim, if anyone could have pride, it was who? It was Jesus. But that was not Jesus' mission. That was not Jesus' mission. And in fact, God sent him into the wilderness and, and put him with those wild beasts, put him with those wild animals to tell Jesus, listen, this is who you have to be. You have to be nothing. You have to be a nobody. You have to go to the lowest of the low. The worst human beings, the poorest human beings, the weakest human being, that's who you have to become so that you can reach them. And that's the purpose of Mark's version of this story. It doesn't get into turn the rock into bread, you know, the, the temptation of appetite, the original temptation, right? Eve in the garden, same temptation. He wasn't tempted into, you know, all of this can be yours. None of that is told. It simply says that Jesus was driven into the wilderness. And again, who drove him there? God, the Holy Spirit. And here's the reason why. Because life is hard. Put up your hand if you've had a simple life. A problemless life. You've never had problems in your life. Put up your hand if you've been able to have that life. A life of peace. A life without problems. Nobody, right? Because it doesn't exist. It's sad even the kids can't put up their hands. Probably they're not listening, but it's okay. All right? But the reality is this. We live in a hard world. But here's where we make a big mistake. The troubles of the world, the, the problems that we have, we look at problems and we lump it all into one box. Something negative. The things that we don't want in life, right? Most of us try to avoid problems, right? We try to avoid pain. We try to avoid negative situations. All of the bad things that happen to us in our lives, we group that all together and we put that in a box. The negative things of life. But that's not the reality. Because there's two types of problems. There's two types of, uh, of, of, of suffering. And the easiest way to know which one is which is by its consequence. What you're going through today, what you're suffering through in this moment in your life, ask yourself this question. The problem that I'm going through, is that going to make my life better or is it going to make my life worse? And I'll give you an example. Anyone here in school right now? Any students? We've got one student, two. All right, is school easy? Or is it difficult? It shouldn't be easy anyway. <laughs> it should be a challenge, right? School should be challenging. It should be hard. Why? If school is easy, are you learning anything? Probably not. If it's easy, it's because you already know that stuff, right? 
School should be challenging. It should be hard because it's that hard process that makes you grow. And so if I was to ask the students who, who, for those that are struggling, for those that are finding it hard, that are going through life, and I say, okay, is the struggle of school going to make you a better person or a worse person? What should be the answer? A better person. Should, right? We can use some examples in the Bible. When Jesus was carrying that cross, was that a burden? Was it painful? Was it hard? But what was the consequence of that? Salvation. Do you, can you see it? Can you see how problems aren't necessarily bad? They can be. And that's what I was saying. It's not one box. There's two boxes here. You will go through problems in your life which will make your life better and you will have problems in your life which will make your life worse. But because we group everything together, there are things that we keep suffering with which is making our life worse and we do nothing about it. There are, pro- there are probably people in this room right now who hate their jobs. Who hate it. And it's a struggle just waking up in the morning because I have to go back there. I have to go back to that boss or I have to go back to that work. It's hurting my body and it's not, you know. Too many people in this world are struggling because of work are suffering because of work. But because everything's lumped together, they think they just have to keep doing it. They don't have options. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to realize. The life that you have, your life right now, who owns it? God does. And that's absolutely true. God owns your life. But never forget, what did he do in the Garden of Eden? When he created Adam and Eve, what did he do? He did, he did more than that. He, he created us to be stewards. All right? So even though God created this world, and even though God created us, and, and very true, God is the owner of everything, but because He created us to be stewards, we are also owners of ourselves. You make the choice. You make the choice of how your life is going to be. You choose what kind of pain you're going to suffer. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's the reality. How many of us have been hurt? And we could have been hurt years ago. And we still feel that pain. We still feel that hurt. Why? Because we have put that pain not in our hands, but in, but in the other person's hands. 
We blame them. We give them the power. And because they hold on to that power, can I get over that hurt? No. You've given a part of your own life to someone else. But here's the thing. It's your life. God made you steward. God gave you the choice in your life. God sent Jesus into the wilderness. To a certain degree, he didn't have a choice in that. Once in a while, God God will push you. Same way he pushed Jonah. The same way he pushed Jesus in this situation. However, once Jesus was in the wilderness, who made the choice? Jesus did. This is the world we live in. People ask me as a pastor, what's the most important thing in life? Some people think it's money, right? And I say that because some people live their whole lives for money. That's their only purpose, right? They work day and night. They kill their bodies. They destroy relationships just so they can make more and more money. There's other people who think it's power, who sacrifice everything, sacrifice friends, sacrifice families, just to have power. Some people think it's family. Family is everything. And that sounds really good, right? That sounds like the right answer, right? Sounds like the right answer. Realize that your same answer is the same as the mafia's answer, but, right? But there's something that's more important than all of those things. And I'm not talking about God here. God obviously is above everything. But I'm talking about this world. And that's time. We spoke about that this morning. Those of you who are smart enough to come to Sabbath school early. We spoke about time. Because here's the thing. You could be a billionaire. But if your time runs out, what's that billion worth to you? And this is why I'm saying you can have a perfect family. You can have an amazing family, but if your time runs out, even family loses its purpose. Time. The choice you make with that time. Too many people throw time away. They throw it away. They throw it away in a job they don't like. Think about how many hours you put into work. How many hours you put into a business or into your employment. You sacrifice time for the money that job gives you. But let me ask you, is it worth that money? And I know there's people that are, that are probably here today and they're going to say, you know what, I don't have a choice. Times are tough, you know what, I didn't get an education and I'm just trying to get by and I I have to take whatever job I can. And I know that's a reality for a lot of people. I have kids, uh, I'm by myself, my husband, my wife left me, whatever it is. I want you to realize the country you live in, if that's a reality in your life, this country is actually designed that you can quit your job, go to school, and they will pay your school and the time you need to be off of work to stay in school. That's a reality. Look up OSAP. 
So all those people that say, no, I'm stuck in my job. I can't make a change. I can't. That's all lies. That's all excuses. You're making a choice based on fear. It's fear. Because God made you steward of your life. He gave you the ability to make decisions. And I know this doesn't even sound like a religious thing right now. Usually when we come to church, we talk about heaven, right? What do I got to do to get to heaven? What do I got to But what does Jesus say about heaven? What does Jesus say about the kingdom of God? When does it start? Right now. Your life right now should be the kingdom of God. Now let me ask you, is it? Do you feel like you're living in the kingdom of God right now? Are you experiencing that joy that heaven gives you? That peace that heaven gives you. That fulfillment that heaven gives you. Because that's Jesus' promise. And that doesn't mean you won't suffer. Because remember, suffering has two boxes. Paul suffered. Paul went to jail. Paul was beaten. Paul, they thought he was dead. He was in a shipwreck. All of these problems that he had. But you know what Paul says about his life? After choosing Jesus... He's more fulfilled now than he ever was before. Why? Because even though he was suffering, even though he was going through hard times, he was living the kingdom of God. So don't sit here today thinking, oh, that's just fantasy. It's the reality. God himself said it. Jesus said it. That you should be living a fulfilling life. Some of you might be saying, I'm too old for that. Moses was 80 years old when God called him. He was 80 years old when God called him. By by the time Moses should have been thinking about retirement, he was just starting his life. So it's not about age. It's not about your situation. It's not about your past. Because you know what? Your past is done. So many of us only think about our past. We try to change our past. You know what? It's foolishness. Because the past is written. The past is done. But what you have is today and tomorrow. And that's not determined by your past. That's determined by your choice today. That's your choice. And that's a gift of God to you in your life. I want you to be honest with yourselves today. I want you to think about your life and I want you to ask yourself this. Am I happy with the life that I'm living right now? If your answer is yes, praise God. Continue on that path. Continue getting closer to God. Continue on the path you're on. If your answer is yes. If your answer is no, if your answer is no, I want you to ask yourself, 
Is it because God has a different path for me? Is it because God wants something different from me? And I, I don't care about your past. I don't even care if you've been in jail. Because you know what? If you've been in jail, you're part of a good group. Because Paul was in jail. Joseph was in jail. A whole list of people. Half the prophets were in jail. I don't care that you've been in jail. I don't care how bad your life was. Because it's your past. One of the main things in the Bible, one of the main teachings of Jesus is that you can change. Is that change is a reality. There was a show that I used to love to watch. It's years ago. Uh, the show called House. Anyone ever see House before? It's about a doctor who is rude and temperamental. And, uh, I, I liked watching that show because he was the epitome of like an an atheist human being. He was the, the epitome of what a, 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 an, an earthly human being is. He trusted in himself, in his own knowledge, um, and there's one thing he kept repeating over and over and over and over and over again. People do not change. That is the mantra. People do not change. And unfortunately, too many of us believe that. Because if you come to me and you say, you know what, I want that, but this was my childhood. This is what I dealt with when I was growing up. This is the relationship that I had. This, this, is, what, this is the choices I made in school. This is the problems. This is the addiction that I had. This is, that's all in your past. And if you truly believe you can change, then none of that matters. You had a man that was killing Christians. And on one road trip, he was changed. That's the reality. There is no excuse for any of us in this room to not live a fulfilled life with God. No excuse. Because it's your time. And it's your choice. It's not the devil's. It's not your neighbor's. It's yours. Your choice. And time is God's greatest gift. When Adam and Eve ate that fruit, what should have happened? They should have died. But God gave us the greatest miracle. He gave us time. Time to say, listen, that is your past. In your past, you ate that fruit. In your past, you walked away from me. But now I'm giving you time to make a new choice and to make a new life. And that is what every single one of you have here today. Time. It's so precious. I remember when I was younger, I was probably seven, eight years old. Um, they used to do those things at school where the, the announcements. And I remember someone came one day and it was an ex-smoker, someone that had cancer. 
and uh, they were giving statistics, and they said, if you smoke, you will be cutting out about eight years of your life. That's what they used to say. But I was eight years old. You know what I said to that? What's eight years? Eight years is nothing. Who cares about eight years? See, when you're, when you're eight years old, eight years is meaningless. Because when you're eight, you're going to live forever. But let me tell you, once you hit 40, 50, 60 years old, if I tell you that you can have an extra eight years of life, who would be happy with that? You would give anything for that. Because it's time. The baptism that we're going to do today, and I'll be honest with everyone, It's not going to change anybody. The baptism itself isn't about change. When Caitlin goes in that water and Caitlin comes out, she's the same Caitlin. Baptism is about change. It's about choice. It's about making a choice every single day after that. I had a friend who got baptized. I always tell this story. Who got baptized a few years, I think, before me. And um, I remember talking to him before the baptism. And he said, you know, Stephen, I'm going to change my life. Once I get out of that water, I'm not the same person anymore. And he's like, you know, the, 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 the main thing is I'm going to stop swearing. He used to swear a lot. And he's like, you know what? When I get out of the water... I'm never going to swear again. You know, he, he wanted that change in life, right? And he got into that tack. He walked down the steps. He got dunked into the water. He came out. He was all happy, soaking wet, but he was happy and smiling. He raised his hands. He tried to step on the step. He missed it and swore. <laughs> Two seconds he lasted. But that's because baptism isn't about the change of the baptism. Baptism is about Choice to change. And it's an everyday process. The event is a couple of seconds long, but the consequence is eternal. The consequence is daily. It's choice. Because here's the thing, when Jesus walked into the wilderness, and this is why I like the story of Mark, Jesus was put with the animals with the wild beasts. Defenseless, basically. And there was two groups. Satan and God's angels. And the reason why I love Mark's version, as short and as simple as it is, is those two verses is our life. It's our life. That's us. We are in this world. And we're powerless. Doesn't matter how rich you are, how powerful you are, what position you have in life, you're powerless. We talked about this in Sabbath school. You can have everything in the world. And then a virus 
that you can only see with a microscope takes everything from you because we're powerless. We're like the animals right there in the middle. And all we can do is choose. We either choose Satan or we choose God. That's life. And here's the reality. You're going to suffer either way. You're going to have a hard life either one you choose. Except if you choose Satan, the struggles that you'll get, the hard times that you'll get, will just make your life worse. But if you choose God, the struggles that you get and the hard times that you get will make you stronger. When Joseph was thrown in a pit and then sold as a slave and then ended up in jail, who here would want that life? (laughs) But all of that he did with God. And what happened to him? He got everything. In fact, he saved his enemies. You're going to suffer either way. It's whether you're going to suffer for the good or whether you'll suffer for the bad. Your choice. But I'll tell you this. If your life isn't being fulfilled, if it's not fulfilling, if you're not enjoying your life in terms of, of, of being satisfied, you're on the wrong path. God has another path for you. Caitlin's making a choice today. But frankly, everyone here has to make a choice today. You're all going to make a choice today. Whether you follow God or the world. 